Kia ora e tihoa me te whanau. Welcome, friends and family, to the Candid Kiwi podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I am the Candid Kiwi. Kia ora and welcome to episode 15. I'm excited and nervous to have you here with this one because I'm talking about my mental health issues and that is super vulnerable. So once you hear a little bit about my struggles, it's going to be out there forever and I realize that that's why I'm doing the podcast is to share with you a little bit more about myself but that still doesn't mean that I can't be a little bit nervous about it, right? So in this episode, I share with you about bouts of depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, postpartum that I've dealt with, as well as a little bit of family history. I have food and body issues, but I'm going to leave that for another episode to be able to talk about because these other mental health issues I've dealt with in almost like seasons and there's reasons why I felt them, but they've never been chronic and my body and food issues have been chronic for 38 years and so that deserves its own episode (laughs) so in this one we're only going to be talking about the other ones that I have and hopefully you can find a little bit of connection with me through this or if you can't connect to anything that I'm saying you can at least make sure that you judge people less and that you are kinder to people and that if people come to you for help that you seek help for them and that you're there for them because if they've come to you for help they obviously see you as a safe space to go to and don't take that lightly guys take that as a privileged place to be and take that as very important and help out those that need your help so if you're ready to listen to my mental health story then come on over (laughs) and take a trip with me thanks for being here Kia ora and welcome to my mental health episode. I'm glad you could be with me. Should we get started? Get stuck in? <laughs> so mental illness has affected me in different ways throughout my life. Looking back, the first time I was introduced to it was after my dad died. I think before that I was totally oblivious to what mental illness was. Hardly anyone talked about it. I certainly had never heard about it before. It was just body slammed on me when my father committed suicide. I'm going to do an episode around my father's death, but for now I'll keep this episode on the topic at hand, which is my mental uh, health journey. After my father died, it struck me how important it was to be educated in mental health because it affected me in such a profound way and I had no clue that mental health could affect you like that. Before dad died of suicide, I knew that he wasn't right in the head. He was doing weird stuff and not acting like himself and we asked him to get help but he refused. I thought he'd just keep being weird and things would be just hard and but he'd be okay, you know. Like I never thought ever in a million years did I think he'd kill himself. And that's when it hit home that mental illness 
not looked after can take lives and affect all of those around them. I've been affected that day onwards with my father's mental health not being kept in check. There's so many mental illnesses out there, guys. There's depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, narcissism, sociopath, psychopath, addiction, OCD, bipolar, dementia, ADHD, ADD, schizophrenia, autism, PTSD, anorexia, and eating disorders, and so, 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 so many more. So many more mental illnesses out there. And I'm no expert on mental health and mental illnesses. All I know is my story. So that's what I'll attempt to share with you. My family history of mental illness is pretty crazy. My dad's mother wasn't right in the head after menopause. Sometimes I joke to Drew that after menopause I'm going to be not okay. So he better look out. He better be in it for the long haul. (laughs) It changed my grandmother. She would just dote around the house singing to herself and talking to you when she felt like it. I remember as a child her just coming around and putting a hat on my head then taking it off and going la 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 just like going around the house you know that makes me always worried about you know what's menopause going to do for me but I think these days we have a pretty good idea of how to look after ourselves through menopause and we have a lot more options given to us to be able to get help my mom also told me that menopause wasn't really a big deal to her and she said I'll be just fine and so I've got two different stories. Let's hope that my genetics go more my mum's way and not my grandma's way. My mum's father was an orphan living on the streets with his brother in England, prostituting himself to make money and then served in the war and lost his brother. So he was a tough man to live with for my mum, my grandma, my aunts and uncles. And to say that he had PTSD is an understatement. I'm pretty sure my grandmother suffered being married to him as well as she had an affair and my mum's youngest brother wasn't his. I know all my grandparents have a story that I'll never know in this life, so I have to show a little grace when it comes to their stories with my judgments. I think that, you know, nobody knows what someone is going through and the hurt that they've been through. And it's easy for us to sit back and judge their behavior. And I think it's important to make sure we protect ourselves from somebody's mental health behavior, but also hope that they can seek help. And if they can't, then I think it's so important for us to make sure that we are affected the least amount possible. But when you're a child, I guess you don't have a choice with that, do you? And so a lot of times parents with mental illnesses can affect their children in adverse ways and I hope that I can do a decent job with my children through getting help with my mental health issues. I know that I've talked a little bit about my lack of positive feelings towards my dad's parents due to their gross negligence towards my father and his kids. It'd be one thing if he treated all his kids like crap But for it just to be my dad and his kids and no one else, you know, that's what I kind of have a hard time with. Can you imagine treating one of your children's kids like an amazing grandparent, then your other kids' grandkids like crap? You know what I mean? Like total lepers? Who does that? Why did they love my cousins and hate us? 
you know, that's just something that I just can't, I mean, how can a person do that, you know, and so I don't know what my granddad's deal was, but he certainly didn't care to get to know us, yet he treated his other grandkids like gold. He celebrated them, gave them graduation gifts, they stayed the night, they got presents, they got things after they died, all the stuff like a normal grandparent does, but us, nothing, nothing. Is that so crazy, guys? I don't know, whatever. Anyway, now I've lived a little longer in life, I know that mental illness was apparent in my history. So I guess it shouldn't have been a shocker that my father suffered and died from it, you know. One blessing that came from my father's suicide was bringing awareness of mental illness into our lives so we could start looking at it in our own lives and being aware so we could check ourselves, talk about it, and not be afraid to do something about it. You know, we got counselling afterwards. I sought out three different counsellors after my father's death all at different times and none of them helped me at all. So my faith in counselling and therapy disappeared. I thought that counselling was great for other people and I was elated when it worked for them and when they were feeling good about themselves. But for me, I just didn't believe in it. It wasn't for me. You know what I mean? Because I had tried three different people and nothing. It wasn't, it was only due to my brother and his example and push that got me into giving counseling a fourth try. And I'm glad that he did because it changed my life. You know, I think people can be in denial about their need for counselling, but I also feel as if counselling and therapy is only for people when they're ready for it. And I was one of those people in denial because it hadn't worked for me. You know what I mean? And I've talked to many friends who I feel are in denial about needing counseling but I also say that without any judgment because I know that therapy is like I said for when you're ready for it and I just hope that through mine and other people's examples like my brother that I can help people to be aware that the right therapist can change their life. I think all people need therapy at least once in their life for a period of time. I think all people, and I think people are in denial about that. But some people, it's too expensive, you know what I mean? But to those people, I say to them, well, what is your mental health worth to you? You know what I mean? We spend money on food and and this is what my brother said to me he said you spend money on food and you spend money on bills well your mental health is just as important as food and so what is your mental health worth to you 
And I know that we can find money for certain things that we need and we need to prioritize our mental health. I know that's easier said than done for some people because some people really are poor. So I don't know. I don't know, guys. But I do think that your mental health should be one of your number one priorities, just like food, just like exercise. I just think that that's something that you need to really investigate and I think everybody needs it. I think everybody needs to sit down and talk about things stemming from their childhood. I need to, I think they need to talk about things that they're thinking about now. I think they need to talk about things that whatever they need to talk about. I think that you might not need it for more than a year, two years, but I think that a good therapist will change your life. And if your therapist right now isn't changing your life, then you need to stop and you need to find somebody else. And I think that timing is everything, willingness is everything, and the therapist that you choose to go to is everything as well. Sometimes I think people go to therapy and things come up and then they stop therapy and they haven't healed. I've met some people that have started therapy and a bunch of stuff has come up and then their therapist has changed or their therapist or something happened and then they stopped going to therapy and they still have these issues and they never got it figured out. Make sure you stay until you get it figured out, whatever that means for you. You know, I can't judge what figured out means, but I definitely know that some people there's still healing that needs to be done and needs to be worked with. So for me, I think I've suffered with some depression, suicidal thoughts, postpartum, body and food disorders, and a little anxiety. So I guess I'll break these up and talk about each of them, but I think I'll leave the food and body disorder for another episode, as it's kind of a big one that started when I was around six years old. So I think it needs to be its own episode so I can dive deep into it and that I can open myself up about the lifelong struggle with that. It's something that I'm scared to do. It's something that I've put off because once you know that story, there's no turning back from having it out there. And i got to be honest, guys, I'm like, I'm really scared to do that because then you're going to know some deep dark secrets that I think and that have around in my head and I think I don't know how you'll take it I don't know if you'll not that it matters because the whole reason I'm doing this podcast is for this reason is to be vulnerable and to tell you my story and to have you feel not alone in your journey or to educate you or to have you be aware of other people's struggles so that you can be a little bit kinder. And that's what I chose to do with doing this podcast. And so this is my choice, but I'm really scared to talk about my mental health stuff because, like I said, once I put it out there, there's no bringing it back. And then that with that comes judgments And I don't know, I guess you can think whatever you want about me after that. All I know is that this is a good thing, and I feel really, really good about it. And I'm going with my gut. So So the rest of my 
mental health struggles I'll talk about on this episode. But like I just said, my food and body image issues, I'll leave to another episode and it be by itself. So my other ones, the depression, suicidal thoughts, postpartum, and a little anxiety aren't a lifelong struggle for me. They have come and gone in my life. Usually it's due to different kinds of circumstances, but I've never been a chronic sufferer of any of them apart from my food and body issues that I have. That one's been ongoing, like I said, for 38 years. Looking back in my life, I know I suffered with postpartum depression after I gave birth to Masaru. At the time, I didn't know it though. I mean, how was I to know? I didn't know what I was supposed to be like after giving birth. I never felt like I wanted to hurt my baby. I just didn't get dressed hardly ever. I hated wearing clothes. I didn't like my body. That should be obvious by now. It hurt because I had a C-section and I hurt. So I guess I wandered around in my underwear because I couldn't be bothered getting dressed. Now I look back, obviously I was suffering with postpartum. You know, I remember after a few months, Drew asking me kindly if I would consider getting dressed and showering daily. But it was so hard for me though, guys. I was struggling with breastfeeding. I already felt like a failure birthing Masaru, like I talked about. I didn't work after he was three months old and I didn't know how to live my new stay-at-home mum life. I just didn't know what I was doing and neither did Drew and I had no family around. It seemed to get better after I had the kids that came next because I was forced to get up and dress and do things with them, you know, and that helped. I know some suffer postpartum in different ways and I know that we need to be aware of our feelings and that's everything for us and seeking out what can help us rather than suffering in silence. A group would have been a huge help to me just to listen to other women who were struggling like I was. Part of what you're told, though, is that you're just going to know what to do because you're a female and your instincts will kick in. Well, for me, my instincts never kicked in. So, of course, I thought something was wrong with me. But nothing was wrong with me, guys. I just needed help and support and guidance. It was really hard. A book on babies helped me get some guidance and perspective and just some grounding. The thing is, no matter what you do with your babies, someone has an opinion that you're doing it wrong. You're already vulnerable and know you know that you don't know what you're doing. So you have to do what's right for you. One thing I wish I learned sooner was that you'll never please everyone. So just do it your way as long as you're not hurting the baby. It's the right way. As women... We do a pretty bad job sometimes of judging each other. But now I know that's because we judge ourselves the worst. The more we learn how to love ourselves, the more we learn how to love others. And I wish that I had started working on loving myself and my 20s and my teens rather than waiting to my 40s to do that. And so, of course, I struggled after I had a baby. Of course I did. Because you don't talk about it, right? 
Because you're supposed to love motherhood. You're supposed to always love it. You're supposed to always be happy. You're supposed to always be okay with it. Well, I wasn't. And I was honest about it. And some people found that to be quite shocking because if you aren't doing good all the time, what's wrong with you, right? Nothing's wrong with you. I love being a mother. It's one of the best things I've ever done in my life. It's changed me for the better, and I wouldn't change it for the world. It's a blessing. It's something that I will never, ever, ever regret, not for one second. But it's hard. And if we can't say, this is hard, I need help, then what are we doing? You know? What are we doing? And as women... We have the power to be able to say to other women, I'm not doing okay. Can you help me? But instead, we sit there and we judge each other. Well, at least I'm not like her. Well, at least I'm not like her. Well, at least I'm not like this. Well, at least I'm not like that. And we need to stop. Like I said, it's only when we can look at ourselves without judgment, then we have the power to be able to be the help that we need to each other for a better life. And as women, we have so much power. We have so much influence. We have so much to give. We're so awesome. And yet we cut ourselves at the knees all the time, all the time. And yet we could be this massive powerhouse to each other. Think about it. If we get together as women and we refuse to buy into the hype of perfection, if we refuse to buy into the hype of always happy, if we refuse to buy into the hype of fake it till you make it, then we can be there for each other and create this honest, wonderful, beautiful, authentic life. Because mark my words, we have a massive influence on the world and I wish we would use it for more good. I wish we'd use it for more good. I've suffered with a couple of bouts of depression over my life as well. Being an empath, I take on board people's energies feelings and worries. Over the years, I've been with people who have brought me down into depression with them. I didn't know it was happening until I'd wake up feeling sad. I would wake up not feeling good about the day or about myself. It was like this cloud of grey that hung over me like a blanket, blocking all the light in my life. I had to take a look at what was bringing me down and eliminate it from my life. And it's hard to eliminate some people from your daily life, but doing so changed me. Friendships are tough sometimes, right? You have to ask yourself if you're doing enough for your friend, but also if they're doing enough for you. I've realized if I have a friend that constantly complains and does nothing to fix their situation, that brings me down. And then I have to ask myself if it's worth it. Because now I'm depressed because of their energy. And so who I have around me all the time and keep close is very thought out because of this energy 
that I can take and not take. Another reason I started getting depressed is the season. I noticed I get a little seasonal depression at the end of winter over here. That's around January through March. And I need to take care of myself and be fully aware of my feelings in these months. I don't get outside as much and I guess it gets to me. Writing down my feelings helps. Then I can see a pattern and be aware and do something about it. Being honest with myself helps a ton, like I said, and not faking it. I think when I'm honest within myself and my feelings, it helps me to move forward in a positive way because I've validated my feelings, given them a space to be heard, and then moved forward to positive changes. I realize there's severe depression that I'll know nothing about. Hopefully I can have someone on the show who can share their journey with that and they can educate us a little bit more about what severe depression is like to live with. I don't believe in faking it till you make it, guys, okay? I really believe that that's putting a band-aid over a bullet hole. I just don't. I believe in being true to your feelings and making sure that you are heard and those feelings are heard. I believe that when you fake it till you make it, I don't believe you ever make it. I think that faking it is putting a blanket over it and it needs to be unleashed. I really believe that. I think that we need to be true to ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that we need to always be a Debbie Downer because I think when we're true to our feelings and we let them be heard and we give them a voice, then that helps us to free them in order for us to be able to see clearly what we're using to numb our feelings with, right? For me, it's food. For others, it could be work. For others, it could be exercise. For others, it could be TV programs, books, drugs, alcohol, any kind of addiction, right? And when you're true to the feelings and you get down and dirty with how it is that you're really feeling and not faking it through, then you get to get to the bottom of what it is those feelings are so that you can healthily move forward with whatever that looks like, guys. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I only know what that looks like for me. But all I know is that saying fake it till you make it has never, ever, ever sat right with me because I'm not fake. I can't be. I wear my feelings on my sleeve. Anyone that knows me knows that they know how Melissa's feeling, probably. And I'm not saying to cast your pearls before swine. You know what I mean? I'm not saying to be true to your feelings to some random person, right? Brene Brown teaches us that when we're vulnerable, we need to be vulnerable to those people that are safe. You know what I mean? And so we have to make sure that who we choose to be honest with our feelings to is a safe place for us to be able to get help and to be able to move forward with. You know what I mean? Whatever that looks like for you. There was once in my life that I started having suicidal thoughts and thinking about leaving this place seemed easier than staying here. We have a gun in our safe, so at sometimes I would imagine getting it and pulling the trigger and how that would be easy and all of my problems would be gone. 
The problem was, is I was saying yes to everything. I was coaching and volunteering a lot in a number of facets, as well as juggling mum life, and I couldn't keep up, guys. I couldn't say no, and I couldn't say, I couldn't keep up with all my yeses. It happened when I was a stay-at-home mum with all my kids at school. So the kids start at kindergarten, and it's a half day, and then in first grade, they go to a full day. I stayed at home and didn't get a job while my kids were at school. And I figured I needed to prove myself and I needed to prove that even though I was home, I needed to keep myself so busy that I would eliminate all the judgments from the people who commented about me not finding work straight away. Guys, I didn't want to work. I was finally free after 16 years and wanted to explore my options. I wanted to think about me for a second and just have some time to myself. I know that comes from a privileged place, but it's the truth, okay? Drew and I have worked hard for a lot of years for me to be home, and now we're in a spot where I don't have to work. And it turns out I don't want full-time work. I don't even want part-time work, guys. I just wanted a year to myself, and I realized that that could change. Like, people always ask you, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I just want a year off. I just want to be able to see what it's like. Like, what's it like being home for a few hours without any children? I want to find out. There's still so much to do in those hours as a mother, but I filled it with so much stuff, guys, daily, that I felt like I was constantly swimming from a tsunami about to hit me and decided I just wanted it to hit me and take me. It was easier than facing life anymore. I destroyed myself with saying yes to all good things and paid the price. Because my father committed suicide, I knew the pain of being left, and I didn't want that for my children, so I sought help. I told Drew, and I told my siblings. Drew also told one of my friends, and I had to look back and break down what had brought me to that place, then eliminate some things. That meant saying no to good things. It meant disappointing people and not having as much on my plate. It meant I had to be fine with the judgments and the judgmental comments of the easy life I had as a stay-at-home mother and the comments that come with that. But I slowly healed and now want to be around and now I have purpose and what others think of me doesn't matter as much as what I think of me. Only I know me the best, and so I have to be okay with me, and I'm getting there slowly and surely. I had never experienced too much anxiety before, not debilitating anxiety at least, until this year. This year, one of my kids experienced bullying, and it gave me daily anxiety. The worry I had for this child overshadowed my life for about 8 to 10 weeks, it wasn't long, I know, but it was enough for me to realize that I had to figure out a way to live with this anxiety. I don't think I truly figured it out, to tell you the truth. 
My child changed classes and eliminated all these bullies from their life as best as they could. They found new friends and has, for now, been allowed to move forward with their life. We hope it can continue that way this next school year come August. There was a point where my child had had enough and broke down. Guys, it crushed me in a way that I can't describe. We were helpless because whenever we reached out to parents, it would make things worse for our child. So we had to remain silent for our child's safety. It killed me. It's really hard for me to describe. I don't know how parents do it with their child getting daily bullied. My heart goes out to you. How do you not make your child's pain not be your pain? How do you not take on board the worry? Is it because I'm an empath? I don't know, guys. But I'm not sure how people who suffer with chronic anxiety do it. The day we changed our child to different classes was one of the worst days of my life. I was so anxiety-filled, I couldn't move. I sat on my stairs for four hours not being able to function. I was paralyzed with fear for my child, their safety, and for their future. Things slowly got better, and I'm fine now. But experiencing that changed me and my perspective. My child is doing great and has found some amazing new friends that love them and support them and treat them so well. It's been a huge blessing for all of us. We've seen huge changes in our child since getting out of the old atmosphere. And we've all learned so much about ourselves and life. My heart goes out to those suffering with any mental illness because a lot of the time we think we're alone. I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. There's steps and ways to help our mental health and you are the key to unlocking that help. It takes courage and bravery to seek guidance and help and even more courage to do the work at bettering ourselves. The trauma of my dad left me with irrational thoughts such as, if my child keeps getting bullied, will they kill themselves? My husband never went there with this thought process. I believe it's because he had little to no trauma in his life as a child. There could be other reasons to it too. But for me, that was an irrational fear that I had throughout all of this with my child. It haunted me, guys. My therapist since then has walked me through that and shown me that I'm projecting my childhood trauma on my child. I've got a lot going on in this head of mine, guys. <laughs> Anyway, I experienced bullying when I was a child and so my fear and knowing what that felt like, I projected and it brought up all of those feelings for me with my child. With the trauma of my father, just the irrational fear that if my child goes through something really bad, are they going to kill themselves? And the anxiety of that is debilitating. And I know that other children out there go through a lot worse than what my child did. And I guess my question is, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you not take on board your child's struggles? I would love for you to answer that for me, if you can.
Anyway, naming and validating my feelings, seeking help and working on myself has helped keep my mental health a little healthier. Like I said, my big one is my food and body, but that's for another time. So, there's some of my personal struggles out in the open for all of you to hear and either connect with or judge. I guess it's up to you how you want to deal with my vulnerability, but like I said, this is why I wanted to do this podcast and I feel so good about it, guys. Whenever I start getting down about if this is the right choice or if this is something I should be doing, something inside of me stops that thought and says, this is the right thing that you're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. And I'm going with my gut on this. I think that this podcast is something that grew inside of me and I think it's something that I want to do. And I hope that I can help somebody out there and just help them to know that you're not alone. And also help people to know that you need to be a little bit more kinder to others. And we need to be less judgmental. And when you find yourself judging somebody else, look back inside yourself and ask, Oh, what's going on with me? Because something is going on with you when you judge somebody else. And that's been a game changer for me, guys. Because mark my words, I'm judgmental and have been at least judgmental. I'm way, way, way better now. Way better. But, I mean, I've been judgmental throughout my life. And that's on me. That's on me. And don't get me wrong, there's good judgments, like not to go down a dark alley with our child at night. You know what I mean? <laughs> But you know the kind of judgments that I'm talking about. Well, there's a little bit of journey with the can of kiwi down my mental health area. If you have any questions or any comments you would like to make or if you'd like to reach out, then I would be happy to give you a hug. Uh, I'm not a therapist, though, and I certainly don't know really what I'm talking about. All I know is what I know for my own journey so have a look have a look at your life and see if you know therapy's for you have a look and see if you're doing okay have a look and see if how you're feeling inside and validate your feelings give yourself a hug and love yourself because you're worth it you're somebody to love and whatever it is that your belief system is, whether it's God, Buddha, a spiritual realm, whatever, dive into it. Seek out what it is that makes you feel the best about yourself and to love yourself the most and to make sure that you know that you're important, you're worthy of love, and that you can get help and you can be courageous and work with that help. All right. Well... That's about it. <laughs> I feel a deep, deep sense of love right now for myself and 
for my listeners. I hope that moving forward you can be kinder and to move forward with loving yourself more. And you know what you need to do. If you search deep inside yourself, you know what you need to do. And I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to do it. Alright, episode 16. I'm excited about my guest. Think you're gonna love her. You're gonna love her. I love her. Alright, until next time. Kakitiano Oya Koto.